0: Welcome to Converse on the Couch from Lifestance Health, where each episode you'll hear engaging, informative conversations with leading mental health professionals that will help guide you on your journey to leading a healthier, more fulfilling life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Converse on the Couch by Lifestance Health. I'm Nikki Lianza. And on this episode, I'll be talking with Aaron Abrams, a clinician from one of our Seattle, Washington offices. And we'll be talking about understanding ourselves and ways to improve our self esteem. So, welcome, Aaron. Great to have you on. Thank
1: you. It's an honor to be here.
0: I think this is a really great topic for us to talk about because. I emphasize with my own clients, really taking that journey within and gaining insight into themselves to help them understand themselves, Mm -hmm. as well as as we talk about self-esteem, you're going to talk about different aspects that kind of play into self-esteem as well. So I think that'll be a really great concept to help people understand what else kind of plays into self-esteem. So we're going to have a great conversation talking about this.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great. Thank you.
0: Let's start with having you telling, tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm Aaron Abrams, obviously. Um, I'm a marriage and family therapist associate. i just getting neat. Getting I have my hours just need to get the test all passed and everything. But, you know, I'm excited to do that to be fully licensed. Um, got my uh, master's in marriage and family therapist. have background in interpersonal communication. Um, and in psychology, and with my bachelor's degrees, and I've been doing therapy for about four years, including internships, so it's been a wild ride, and it's been fun. Great,
0: great, and I'm assuming on your journey, and with your own clients, you've helped many with their own self-esteem, and help them understand themselves as well.
1: Yes, definitely. A lot of individual, when I see individuals, a lot of people, you know, about like 40%, 45 do want to like kind of figure out them their own self esteem that are translating into like their anxieties and things like that as well. So yeah, definitely have done a lot of self work with uh, clients. So there's definitely background in that.
0: And I think a great way to get our conversation on this topic started is to ask you about the self. How Mm -hmm. would you define the self?
1: So it's interesting, you know, when I was in undergrad, there's one definition that just keeps coming to mind. And it's something that I still kind of ring true. It's a, a, a definition by Julia Wood in Communication Mosaics, which is the self is an ever changing perspective that is formed into sustained and in commu- communication with others and ourselves. Right. So I'd like to really emphasize on the system and the process That happens with the self because it's not something that stagnates, right? It's something that's going to continue to evolve and change and grow and all that type of stuff. And you know, she obviously is in the communication book, so the she emphasizes, you know, in communication with others and ourselves. And it made me think of like self-fulfilling prophecies, right? And like self-fulfilling prophecies with our own intrapersonal communication and how, like, okay, we think that we're going to be this way, so therefore we will. And also the other imposed ways of like how other. People and other people's narratives are going to impact of how we kind of view ourselves in a certain situation, too. So I think it's an interesting definition and it's something that I like to kind of reference. uh, And that's something that we can kind of see about the self um, and how it's kind of grows and changes and things like that, too.
0: And I think that's the key to emphasize that helping people understand that the self isn't just static ourselves can, we can change, we can grow. And and that's the whole part of our conversation too, of how to help improve ourselves and understand ourselves and improve our self-esteem. And, and with that, you know, as we're talking about self-esteem, let's actually kind of get in the weeds more and distinguish some of the different terms here, especially as you're going to explain to us how some of these aspects play into one another. But can I have you help us understand the differences between self-esteem Self-efficacy, self-identity, self-worth, those types of terms.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I like to think kind of broad to specific, right, when I go into these terms. So like a really broad term is like self-concept, right? That's just like a broad description of ourselves. You know, you have our self-concept and then kind of a little bit, you know, also an umbrella term or a broader term is self-efficacy. And that's kind of our overall outlook and our capacity to reach specific goals that we have or certain situations and, or like how our belief, whether or not we can succeed in certain situation. So that kind of has this umbrella term that then underneath those terms kind of go into like, you know, these beliefs or these uh, things that we want to, which is like, you know, self-worth, self-esteem, self-identity and things like that. So when I think of, you know, self-worth, which is also kind of a little broader than self-esteem, a lot of people can, you know, compare the two. Um, it is basically the perspective and about what your worth is as a person and this is kind of a little more global right mm. like you know you know uh, am I worthy of being loved yeah am I worthy of being in this position that I'm in
0: mm. am I
1: worthy of blah 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 right whereas self-esteem is going to be really particular things about ourselves right our thoughts our feelings our biases and you know we have judgments and opinions about ourselves that really impact our daily functioning right? And so that's kind of how I view self-esteem under that kind of umbrella term. And then, you know, when we talk about I- identities, it's really the, our narratives that we have about ourselves, you know? And um, we can talk about different types of identity, you know, gender identity and, you know, occupational identity. Mm. And there's a lot of different identities of the self that we can go into. Uh, but there's also, like, in the some way, there's also societal ways that it impacts your identity. There's like the societal identity that impacts you as a self and then your own self-identity as well.
0: Would some of this be the roles we play in society too and how society might perceive those roles?
1: I think that there's always, a you know, a possibility for roles, rules, regulations, expectations, and things like Got that. You. you know, and cultural norms. And yeah. there are a lot of different things that there are a lot of different aspects that can be seen as like weird by one culture, and weird and like very normal True. for others, right? right? And you know, the there's a lot of different aspects of the self and how we view ourselves in these different lenses that we have, right? Mm. And that can really impact. Based off, you know, so you know, somebody's really struggling with their own self worth or self esteem and things like that, but their best friend is like, "You're great," you know, and it, you know, we don't know what that internal struggle is. Um, for that person which is a really hard thing for them to do and it's also a lot of vulnerability to disclose right so
0: i I think you know looking at perception and how we see ourselves and how others might see you as well i think that example of someone might be struggling with their own self-esteem but a friend of them is like no you're great what's the issue there i think it does come down to perception and how we see that for sure so as we keep Digging in and looking at the different aspects of, of self-esteem and efficacy, you know, how do all these different aspects, uh, you know, how does a person navigate all these different aspects within themselves?
1: You know, it's really challenging to be trying to figure out all these parts of yourself, right? Right, you know, there's, right. You just named off with five different things about, right. our, about ourselves and, you know, there's this internal struggle kind of with all of them, Right. You know, we haven't even talked about really self-image, if you right. that as well. Like there are so many different aspects of the self. And in for in order for you to have these conflicts with you within yourself, you have to find out and define who you are, not the de- denotative definition, but your own connotative definition of who are you? And figure out who the genera- genuine self is. Right. And many people feel like they have to wear a mask, especially teenagers, right? They mm-hmm. have to wear a mask in order to be Uh, you know, accepted by peers or others. And, you know, eventually down the line, they kind of lose who they are, right? And they're like, I've been playing, putting this mask on for so long that I don't know who I am anymore. And so I always talk about like, if you want to know who you are, you got to go back to who you were, you know, and go back to where your roots were and trying to have difficulty. So I'll do you know, um, in therapy rooms, I'll do something called a detailed timeline. Right. And I'll look at different aspects of the self and some of the impactful things that they loved to do, their hobbies, their uh, things that you would say like, oh, yeah, I was, you know, when I was 12 years old, I was a basketball nerd, right? Like I was a guy who was obsessed with basketball and that was a big part of me. And, you know, uh, that's always going to be a part of me. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who are in similar similar things, but then they get consumed with different types of themselves, the occupational self and Mm -hmm. whatever. Right. So, I think for us to go back to you know like for us to navigate all these different things is going to be overwhelming. So let's just start first at like who are you? That makes sense. Who is the genuine self? And then we can kind of say, okay, cool. And this aspect of yourself, like how do you see it? What where are the importance and stuff like that? So if we go back to the self, like you know we have these different hats that we wear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I like to use, when I say hats, I say these different aspects of the self, the different selves that we have. So right now, like I'm in my, I have my occupational hat on, right? Like, this is my occupational self. Gotcha. But, you know, and a lot of people put their own self-worth and self-esteem into that occupation. Yeah. Life, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, at least in my experience, I don't want to make any big generalizations, but I've seen a lot of guys do that, right? A lot of guys have, uh, have been so worn on this occupational they put so much of their selves and their their identity towards what they do Mm -hmm. right towards what they do that that hat gets tattered and torn and it gets so worn out and that there are so many other hats that are like collecting dust that are nice and fresh if they were to just be undusted right that they need to really attend to that so you know, like we said, there's so many different types of selves: the social self, the athletic self, the gamer mm-hmm. self, the musical self, the intellectual self, spiritual self, occupational self, romantic self, parenting self. Oh, there's so many different types. So, I feel like that's a great place to start: is identify the different selves that you have, and then kind of see what is positively, positively focused, what's negatively focused, whereas like the hierarchy and importance, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And like
1: what hats are getting more worn than others, and then. Uh, Yeah, it's kind of similar to IFS, internal family systems with the different parts of the selves. But um, yeah, I think that that's a really good place to try to like start with the navigating is just like, okay, cool. Let's figure out who you are as a genuine self. And then let's just navigate the different types of the different selves that we have to you.
0: And I think that's so key because you're helping people recognize there's more parts of themselves and who those other selves are. And so when you're using the example of a torn, dusty head, they might not even realize like, okay, I'm just more focused in my identity of what my occupation is as a doctor or you name it as an engineer or a cashier or whatever that is. And so when you're expanding it and having them like, hold on, there's way more to you than just that aspect. It could really probably be mind blowing. Like, what do you mean there's more to me? So I think that's great taking off that hat and then maybe dusting off some of the other ones of who they things they used to enjoy and who they were previously.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know that some of the analogy rings true to other people. It's the one that makes the most sense to me. (laughs) <laughs>
0: but no, yeah. I love that. That's a great analogy. I really like that. So as you're helping people kind of dig in further within themselves to understand these different parts of themselves,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you attend to these aspects and, and help them move forward with them?
1: You know, it, it's difficult because in my own stuff, you know, we have as therapists, we try to like relate as much as we can, you know, to use empathy practices and, you know, sympathy practices as well, but also not want to get like invested in the process. And I think, you know, when we attend to these, I really talked to, to clients about doing like daily check-ins with themselves and doing like daily temperatures. Yeah, I like that. You know, and saying, cool. Yeah. There are going to be a lot of different aspects where you make mistakes <laughs> and you're going to, you know, kind of think that, Oh, I made a mistake. So therefore my self-worth is garbage now or, you know, whatever. It's going to be really low. It's going to be bad. Um, or you can kind of change the mindset of, like, this was a learning experience and go to, like, hey, yeah, that sucked. <laughs> but you know what? I'm still here. I'm still breathing, and I'm we're, we're, in, we're in good shape, right? Like, we're, you know, I think there's a lot of different things that I'm going to try to change perspectives in the self and how we treat ourselves, right? Um, you know, we can have, like, People be really proud about something that they accomplished yesterday. But then like that feeling of being proud is gone after a day. Mm. So why? Why why is it that it was just proud for a day? Whereas like, okay, let's build let's continue to go through this lens of like openness and you know, positivity, maybe a little bit and or even realism, right? Because obviously life happens, not everything's gonna be positive and and stuff, but you know. We want to be able to really talk to ourselves and say, like, "Hey, where are we at? Where's my temperature at? And you know, how can I maybe like look at why that narrative is what it is?" Part
0: of what I think I hear you saying is an aspect of self-compassion. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a person to recognize maybe what they're saying to themselves, and and maybe that needs to be tweaked a bit to give, you know, if they're being hard on themselves or beating themselves up for something and showing some self-compassion for themselves, which I think leads us into you know, talking about some narrative therapy.
1: Yeah. Right? Totally. little
0: nat- So tell us about narrative therapy and how, how can it be helpful?
1: Yeah, totally. And, you know, my, uh, my background's very much in like experiential practices, right? And that includes, you know, narrative therapy, emotion-focused therapy by Sue Johnson, and uh, symbolic experiential therapy by Virginia Satir. But narrative therapy is, you know, another postmodern experiential technique where basically uh, people's stories and narratives are discovered and worked on in a variety of ways, right? And a lot of these narratives start as something called thin narratives. And when we talk about thin narratives or thin stories, it's what we're typically off you know, they're often negative descriptions of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's really difficult that's happening when these first start. And then basically throughout this, uh, the therapy technique and throughout the therapy process, you're trying to, quote unquote, thicken the plot or thicken the stories and, you know, look at different uh, different ways to reconstruct the you know, reconstruct it. We can try to do externalizations with it. Uh, there's a lot of finding exceptions to the rule or finding unique outcomes. Um, there's a whole process that goes into it, but we want to mainly' we'll try to get the clients to get out of their thin tunnel visions you know narratives and be more open and expressive and look at from some of these like counter arguments when you were to write a paper and mm-hmm. really look into like hey, you know instead of me having this bad thing it's like, okay, I'm really doing well at this thing instead mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, I don't know when grad school. One of my examples was like, okay, there's a a, a couple, and they're struggling with erectile dysfunction. And in, instead, you know, instead of him just being lost and you know uh, unmotivated or whatever, he's like, oh, he's being really, really productive at work, you know, or, or you know, being really productive in other ways and things mm-hmm. like that, right? So that that gives that kind of new positivity and that new yeah new light. Um, into saying, okay, cool. There's some type of like uplifting thing and empowering thing. Right, that's ultimately what we right. want to do. We want to empower the clients in their narratives, right?
0: Right, right. And changing what we tell ourselves about ourselves, changing the narrative of what we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And often our narrative might be just very focused on the negative or what we don't do well. And so it sounds like what you're helping your clients do is maybe shift that a bit, You know, mm-hmm. giving yourself some credit and things like that. So yeah, that's totally. and I know
1: that And I know that you've had some experience with narrative therapy too, right, Nikki?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. I'm very big fan for sure. So I'm glad we're having this conversation to kind of bring it to others who maybe aren't familiar with this type of therapy. Totally. And so Mm -hmm. I think we're both agreeing on how helpful this could be.
1: I definitely think it is. And, you know, I'm not going to act as if I'm a professional narrative therapist here. Like I know every single aspect to it, but it's something I definitely do dabble in a lot. Um, And I think that it's something that uh, a lot of or you know a lot of really good like people who are really trained in narrative therapy can really help uh, they it's it actually kind of cool they use like whiteboards and stuff like that too and like yeah fully really involved in the process so um, um if you're you know, therapist or who you want to be a therapist and you're interested in, like, doing narrative therapy, I definitely, you know, recommend it, especially those who are, like, super trained and, and, and you know, experts in it.
0: Yeah, I I use a lot of narrative therapy. One of my specialties is trauma. And mm-hmm. so I'll often do a, a helping people create the narrative of their trauma. And, and yeah. even dissecting the the wonky thinking that came out of the shame-based thinking of the trauma that they've formulated and stuff like that so yeah big big fan of, of trauma a oh, big fan of trauma a <laughs> big fan of trauma therapy in relation to using narrative therapy for it yeah, for
1: sure totally. so. yeah that's really again especially when you've been you've been impacted in that way so you know profoundly like finding those like exceptions and you know really working through that and you know uh it's going to be, you know, it's something that you can find some more positivity or find some more, you know, reframing or, mm-hmm. you know, those techniques to not necessarily always like have to sit in that negative spot when really some of those things. And obviously like, triggering the moments and things like that are really impactful and negative ways. And so we would definitely want to like, hey, you know, let's try to work the best we can in these, in these spaces.
0: And, right. Exactly. Any other takeaways? that you can share to help us understand ourselves better and to improve our self-esteem?
1: Yeah. Um, something that I have done with clients, and maybe this is something that, you know, listeners or you guys have have, have done, is there are different self-esteem journals that a lot of people do. And, you know, mm-hmm. these self-esteem journals will have several questions uh, saying along the lines of like, what did you do positive today? Were are things that you learned? You know, they're basically... Three questions, there's one in like goodtherapy.com, I think it is called, and you know, there's like three different questions for every day. And what I would really challenge somebody to do is like to answer those questions for four straight weeks, but never repeat an answer. And That's the quite the challenge.
0: Why, That's probably harder
1: than it would seem. It's, like, it's, it's really hard. And I, I challenge my clients to do that because I feel like they're so, uh, going back to like the different parts of ourselves, right? The different aspects of our lives that we don't necessarily attend to all that well or that all that you know specifically is that you're forced to really look at the small things that you've done well on a daily basis when you're able you have to do it for four straight weeks and you have to have a variety of different thoughts opinions and experiences and perceptions of your day to really kind of attend to things that haven't been attended to right And I think that's going to be really impactful. And then just like, whoa, there are really big aspects of me Mm or really are really cool things. Like I held a door for somebody and I just did it because I I was like habitual. Why did I do that? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's so many like family of origin things and, you know, experiential things that you've done throughout your life. And uh, I think it's really cool. So that's another way. And then uh, uh, something that I start with, uh, if you want to look at, her up, uh, Doctor He Sun Chun. She uh, was a SPU uh, professor of mind, and she does something called role profile activities. And basically, with role profile activities, it's kind of a way to go to that starting process of like, who am I? Who is the self? And you'll have fifty different pro- roles, and there's sections of this is who I am, this is who I'm not, this is who I want to be, and I'm not sure if this is who I am. And you have to really dabble and Wow, that's you know, interesting yeah go through that process and there's a whole like whole uh section and whole uh kind of uh, intervention that goes along with it that is that's really kind of like drama therapy as well that's really cool so if you wanted to check her out he's Sun Chun, uh c yeah c-h-e-o-n i believe is how you say your last name um and she's uh, she's great and she you know taught me that that that's a role profile activity is something i use in with my clients to start off with self-work
0: i actually like that i definitely will check that out
1: well, i can send sh- it to you for sure yeah please
0: do i would really enjoy that if you did please do my gosh, Aaron, you shared so much information with us today. Good stuff to really have people really take a listen to this, and hopefully, we expanded their perception of themselves and how to navigate who they are and how to build their own self esteem. So, thank you again.
1: My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.